Hi, how's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Debutify podcast, the premier e-commerce podcast brought to you by Debutify. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and joining me today is Munir Bufferdell, the co-founder of an email and SMS marketing agency called The Greenhouse. With The Greenhouse, Munir has had the opportunity to work with more than 30 e-commerce brands and help generate about $20 million in sales in just over two years. On today's episode, Munir and I will talk about SMS marketing, learning from failure, the power of positive thinking, and much, much more. Here's our interview now. Munir, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing? Thanks for having me, Alex. Doing fantastic, man. Happy Monday. That's right. Happy Monday, man. So look, let's just start off with your company, right? The Greenhouse. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is? It's literally like ready, set, grow with the Greenhouse. Greenhouse is an e-commerce marketing uh, agency. We work with a lot of e-commerce brands to help them scale their email and SMS marketing and also retention marketing efforts. Wonderful. So when it comes to the services you provide, does your team handle the strategy, creative, delivery, and analytics for your clients? Absolutely. Follow management of the email and SMS and retention uh, strategies. That includes, obviously, like you said, uh, full-on monthly and quarterly strategy, copywriting, creative design, deployment, and of course, the most important part that a lot of brands and also like marketing agencies miss on, performance analysis. That's how you basically make an impact. What are some of those specific things that you guys analyze maybe that other people might miss? Everything starts with an analysis from the beginning. Like You have to perform an, an, an account audit to see where the brand is where they're currently at. And then based on their current status, then you could be able to say, well, here's where we are. We can basically craft a plan and then we can get to A and then from A, we can get to B and then from B, we can get to C. A uh, majority of brands miss on that. And that's where, you know, uh, a lot of brands kind of like just see what's out there and say, well, just because this brand is doing it this way, let's just replicate the same, you know, the same strategies of what they're doing. And it might work for us or it might not. And that's where majority of the brands are missing the mark is that audit at the beginning, that performance analysis to see where the current health of their account, where the current status of their account. And then based on that, you will have to look at a, a lot of metrics, like, you know, uh, the metrics that make more sense is for email and SMS marketing, for example, is how many active profile do we have on our list? Uh, how many segments are are active on that list, how many segments are performing on that list, how many segments are converting on that list. And we take those segments and we break them down by different tiers to see how we can make an improvement in terms of like, you know, based on where the brand is and where they want to go. And the list that you're mentioning is your client list, right? So I, I think that is somewhere where people might struggle on the, on the front end is, is regardless of their size, honestly. So, so what are some strategies for helping a smaller company build a client list or, or maybe even a a mid-sized one that's trying to scale up. Obviously, like you, you know, you you build a brand and then you obviously optimizing that pop-up and then driving uh, you know, drive an acquisition, running ads, organic social media. That's how you drive the, that traffic to your site. And you want to able to maximize from that traffic and kind of like retain some of it. How do you retain some of it? You optimize that pop-up. You come in with a welcome offer so you can get people into your, you know, into to, to the retention funnel. And that's where a lot of brands miss the, the mark again, because they really focus so much on the acquisition. You get them on with those welcome series and all of that. And then you forget the maintenance. Now, when you acquire this client, they become an existing client in your cycle. How do we keep nurturing them now to turn them into a loyal client? 
Uh, but as far as like list growth, list growth wouldn't work without driving traffic. So you need to drive traffic and always optimize the best way you can with different offers to see the offer that will work the best. And then, you know, you kind of like take it from there. So are the strategies vastly different depending on the size of the company in, in terms of scale? So if, if I'm trying to build a client list for someone who is a lot smaller that might have, I don't know, we'll say 10 to 20 monthly users versus 200, 2000. Are, 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 are those going to be different strategies and how you're trying to create those lists or drive traffic? Absolutely not. The two main factors that will impact your list growth is the amount of traffic driven to the site and how much of that traffic do are we able to retain? How much of that traffic are we able to kind of like get their information, hold them in our database? So it's all related to the quantity of the traffic and the quality of the pop-up. If the quantity is, is if the quantity is big and then we have a good quality pop-up, you'll be able to gain more people in your list. And that's how it works. It's very simple, but a lot of marketers tend to make these marketing strategies so complicated. It's very simple. Getting people to your email list, you need to optimize that pop-up and uh, A-B test a variety of kind of like offers to see what resonates the most with people for them to give you their info. I also wanted to talk about this SMS marketing. Personally, I think the most effective for me I was talking with um, another gentleman on the on the podcast that email marketing works pretty well for me, but I know SMS works for other people. So I feel like a lot of companies understand specifically what that is, but maybe not how mm -hmm. much potential value that there actually is in using it. How were you first mm -hmm. sold on SMS marketing's advantages? As a brand, you need to meet your customer where they are. So whether, and we need to leverage technology to do that. Whether whenever we see a new technology that's coming in, that's going to kind of like bridge the gap between the consumer and the brand in terms of like communication, how can we get to them and how can we get the message across to them? We need to get there. We need to get there. But again, can take it back to the main problem. The main problem is that marketers tend to make things very complicated than they should be. You know, the million dollar question that we need to ask as marketers is, what is the problem that the brand or the, the brand that the product or the service is solving? That's the main, that's literally, that's, there's no sauce. There's no secret strategy. There's no, there's, there's no like one magic wand that you're going to hit and automatically you're going to get all these conversions. But again, it's a lot of marketers, a lot of brands tend to kind of like think, well, the, the, the grass is greener probably just because this brand does it this way. We can do it this way. So as far as SMS marketing, SMS marketing is very, if you use SMS marketing very strategically and smart in a way, you will see a lot of success with it. And again, it, it comes back to the marketing and sales. So marketing without sales, it's like a, it's like a battle without a cap. They go together. Okay. So what's missing out there and what, what I see a lot of brands make the mistake is that they send all these campaigns. But when you think about it, a campaign is basically a transaction. You're sending all these campaigns, but you're expecting people to convert. You're expecting people to buy. Let's say we were, we were just take it back to the old school. Like you're in a market, you want to sell something, you will introduce the product and say, Hey, here's the product. You're not, you're not going to approach the, the client with or, or the potential uh, 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 customer with like, here's a product, it costs $20, give me $20, take it. That's not how people buy. People buy if the product solves a big problem within their life. And that's where uh, uh, the majority of the campaigns miss the mark. You'll see like now, like you have tons of email, tons of, of, of SMS campaigns or even email campaigns blowing up people's phones and, and email inboxes, which like, hey, here's a product, buy it. 
but no, but you, you're not really driving any value prop. So that's where a lot of brands are missing the mark. If you want to buy this product, here's what this product will do for you. Here's the link to find it. Here's the link where you can buy it. And it's again, just going back to the basics. There is not really, I'm not, I'm not the first person. I'm not the first marketer out here. You know, there's tons of strategies out there that are just like the same thing. It's the same thing over and over and over again. The basic is the same. The foundation is the same. Where people are missing the mark is answering the million dollar question. What is the problem that we're trying to solve? And then you go from there and you craft a marketing strategy that will fit. But again, SMS marketing, it's all about communication. Communication. How can we communicate the problem clearly so that the potential lead will find interest in the offer and then they will convert, then they will buy? It's that simple. It's that simple. But what we see is that Hey, here's a product. Here's a link. Click buy. And I think that one of the one of the problems that people in brands might get caught in is pretty much just establishing how good of a deal it is, and not really telling me what the pro what the product is. Pretty much saying, you know, 20 percent off this coffee grounds. It's like, okay, so what are the coffee grounds? Why should I buy these versus other ones? I understand that it's a deal, but it's all relative because if it's you know twenty percent off twenty dollars, that's a little different than twenty percent off. $10. So it's kind of like it, it's a sliding scale. Do you guys, what I'm hearing you say a little bit and uh, the way that you talk, Munir, is that you do a lot of trial and error and a lot of experimentation with your campaigns. How do you determine what what's worth a shot, what's not, what what's kind of the ratio to tried and true methods and, and experimentation that the greenhouse uses? That's a really good question. I'm going to give like a little background on, on, on things and how we started. My co-founder used to be a director of marketing for a multi-million dollar beauty brand. A lot of what's missing right now, and we have marketers, we have we have a team of 10 people right now and we hire marketers and we we know what's missing. What's missing is that backend knowledge. A lot of marketers are taught by the book on marketing, but they never worked on the backend to see how the brands perform and how the brands work. How do you basically you have your Shopify store and the brand as this heart, but you have all these marketing channels, you know, need to kind of like drive blood to that heart so we can pump. Obviously, by pumping is still alive and not die. So for the brand to stay alive and not die, you need all these marketing channels to be alive. And leveraging that understanding how things work on the back and how these all these channels work together all these marketing channels work together to convert and uh, grow the brand is very important because you can't just focus on one aspect of marketing and say well yeah we can grow your brand and scale it so that's what helped us actually like dominate and be the best at what we do but also on the other hand we don't do things that we're not really uh, uh skilled on what i mean by that we only work with we majority of our client portfolios is beauty brands why because we have done it at different scales and prior to that my co-founder and i started a clothing brand just to understand what brands go through in that first phase of developing a product or starting a company because the problem is not starting a company or 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 or, or developing a product that solves a problem because literally anyone can get funds and, and go and start a product or start a business the problem is how do we get that product from here to here and what i mean by that how do we get that product from the facility to sell how do we get it in front of our clients hands and that bridge 
is what marketing is. And I like that analogy of the heart. I, I think that's mm-hmm. really cool. Thank you. Yeah. So I try to make things very relatable to things so people can actually like see the value and see how things are very simple and easy when you take them into, you know, when you put them in an analogy like that, that works so we, they can visualize it because all of this is visualization. As long as you be able to visualize things and how they work, it will make all sense. So therefore we leveraged, uh, you know, we leveraged my co-founders experience and also us not knowing what startups might go through, we had to start brand on our own from zero. And the only way we were able to scale and get some sales was through organic social media because we didn't really have money to put in ads, but email and SMS marketing on the other hand. So we had people coming in through our social media efforts, organic social media efforts. We get them to the email funnel and we were able to communicate through those email marketing strategies to help kind of like keep them engaged and get them like to, to convert and build a little small community. COVID hit, the manufacturer shut down, and then we're like, okay, this is the perfect time into kind of like diverge towards the service-based uh, business model, which is a marketing agency and help brands who are going through the same uh, uh, challenges to overcome those challenges. So we know what works for a brand to go from zero to 50, 50K, and then from 50K to 400K, and then 400K to a million. And we have done that for all these brands. We work with different brands and these uh, different levels so we know we know exactly what will work and it's the same thing for a brand to go from zero to 50 you need to focus on list growth list growth straight to the point you need to drive more people to the funnel and have the foundation have your foundation have your welcome flows because that's acquisition but to go from 50 to 400 or 500 that takes a little bit of advanced strategies now we need to focus on upsells cross sales how do we increase the average order value if one person only spends on acquisition like say let's say a product average order value or just like one product purchase will cost 50k for like a beauty product or something like that now they turn into an existing uh, customer in our funnel how do we get that person to not only just spend 50 at a time but how can we add things into their order so they can spend 150 now we 3x that Imagine you 3x that for every single client that you have in the funnel. Now your acquisition is you go from acquisition to retention, but also you're 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 scaling your margins, you're growing your margins. Okay. And then from that part to go from 500 to a mil, you need to focus on advanced retention strategies and also again driving more people to the funnel, but also like focusing on long-term lifetime value and increasing average order value. How do you get people to spend more? How do you get people not only to spend more, but also not only just buy once and twice, but buy three and four and five and six. So that lifetime value of that consumer increases over time. And, and we'll definitely talk about retention marketing. Don't get me wrong, because that's that, that's essentially what a lot of this is. But you mentioned something that I actually read that you also mentioned in the past, which is a combination of social media, paid marketing, and SMS and email marketing. So there might be a common misconception that I have to lean into SMS and email marketing instead of organic or paid social media marketing. But you know, you're of the impression that you do both at the same time. And is, is that a common misconception that people had is you got to kind of pick one or the other or, or what are your thoughts on that? Man, that's that's a really good. That's a really good question. And it's also like a challenge for a lot of these brands because majority of them, again, a lot of brands spend so much on that first phase, developing the product and getting the product, like getting the physical product in hand. And then by time, 
it's the most important part. By time to get in front of their customers, now it's time to build that bridge. They run out of they run out of funds. So they have they have no other option but to think where can I get the most return on investment? Can I get it on ads? Can I should I just do email and SMS marketing? Should I focus on PR? Should I focus on social media marketing? Should I focus on uh, uh, just creative and 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 you know influencer marketing? And so by the time you get to that place, you run out of funds, but you don't really know where to allocate or where to make that very strategic investment. However, first thing first is your foundation. You're before driving any traffic to site without having those flows built in on the back end, at least the welcome flows for acquisition, at least the welcome series, the abandoned car and the post-purchase. You need those. If you don't have those, all the traffic they are going to drive to site, it's going to be wasted if they don't convert because a lot of them need at least every single lead need at least five to seven touch points for them, for them to convert. Building report, building connection, giving them an offer, uh, showing them social proof, and then help kind of like convert them that way. So four to four to seven touch points for them to convert. So the foundation, as soon as you get your site live and all of that, you need to build the email and SMS marketing foundation. Probably just the email for now because you don't really even want to focus on SMS yet because it might get pricey afterwards, uh, especially if you don't have a bigger list. Because you can you can you can do it backwards. Just get focus on email for first, and then afterwards you can implement SMS and also just introduce that to the existing list for them to sign up. Uh, for SMS later on. So the foundation is very important. Email and S- email marketing flows, the foundation, welcome flow, abandoned car post-purchase, uh, and abandoned checkout, those are very important to have before you drive any traffic to site. Then after that, maybe start driving a little bit of acquisition, just start driving a little bit of blood to that site, paid ads, Google ads, YouTube ads, Instagram ads, uh, whichever whichever you feel like that might make an impact. Service-based uh, uh, businesses might find good conversions and traffic from Google ads. Because if I'm looking for an acupuncturist or if I'm looking for a chiropractor, usually I'm not going to go to Instagram to look for that. I might just go to Google and look up for, you know, acupuncture near me, you know, acupuncturist near me, for example, that will give me locations near me. But if I'm looking for a product, for example, uh, 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 you know, a gel or, or, or a beard oil or something like that, I might just go uh, uh, to Instagram and and see 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 it in action because I want to see people using the product and that's what drives majority of the uh, conversions is people seeing people using the product and seeing those results. That's a wicked valid thought process. I never really thought about that in terms of services versus products marketing. You know, um, I, I think that's really well put. I know the delivery method is is obviously different between SMS and email marketing, but aside from that. Should they be treated differently in terms of messaging and content? And 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 if so, how? Because what I'm kind of hearing you say is that you should start with email and then move on to SMS. So what other ways are they different in terms of campaign strategy a little bit? Yeah. So so that yeah, that's a really good question as well. The two together work, they yeah, they're like peanut butter and jelly. You know, you can have peanut butter by itself, but without jelly, with jelly, it gives it like a better taste. So people want that better taste. And when we bring it to email and SMS marketing with brands, people want that very good treatment. Make me feel, make me feel unique. Make me feel a VIP. Make me feel like I'm having those first access. Make me feel I'm getting treated better than everybody else. So consumers, uh, going back to it, consumers want to feel, they want to feel treated differently, especially your high rollers, for example, or 
uh, you know, uh, people who are brand enthusiasts or brand loyalists, they want to feel different. And and the way to do that, for example, is, you know, leveraging email and SMS differently in a way to give people first access to things that are very important, like product launches or things or promos that are going on. So you can maximize on the people who are actually like are 90, 80 to 100% can spend with you. And on the other hand, you also want to leverage it to kind of like just remind people about like, you know, with email and SMS, you kind of like like reminders, like resends and stuff. You, if you, for example, try to touch point on an email campaign with a certain segment, but they didn't, for example, some of them convert, some of them didn't convert, but you do want like a resend, for example, or give them like a reminder. You can use SMS as just like a short version of like, hey, just in case if you missed it, you know, here's a link to something that you missed, you know, that kind of thing. But again, going back to the first, to the, to the main thing, what is the problem that we're trying to solve? Uh, so what, and, and what happened majority of the time where people get really frustrated and maybe marketers get emotionally attached to the conversion. And that's when they just basically, they, they, they become just so attached to that conversion. And it's just whatever, if we don't, we, we just need to see some conversions. We just need to see some dollar signs and they just start sending promos over and over and over and over again. And they forget that. What is the pro- what is the value prop here? As a consumer, it's a negotiation. If I'm giving you this product, I'm trying to sell you on this product. How this product presented in a way that the product is actually helping solve a problem to the consumer. So in that way, and I hope that answered the question. No, it, it definitely does. So to kind of recontextualize SMS marketing, it sounds like it's a little shorter, simpler, and trying to just kind of like remind people i want to talk with you or get get your advice on on what some techniques that a brand can implement to optimize their sms marketing because i feel like there's a a high degree of difficulty in terms of if it's going to be shorter and hit harder that means you're kind of playing in a smaller box so what what are some of those techniques to optimize sms some of the techniques and one of the one that works the most is what's called conversational messaging so you build basically this automation or this flow that will help the consumer navigate through what they want. Okay. So because consumers have kind of like this attention, you know, when you give consumers too many options, they tend to get lost and not make a decision. So what we want to do with conversational messaging is kind of like curate this specific experience to our consumers to find what they're looking for. So let's say, for example, um, where, where, like, let's say a man's hair care brand, for example, as an example, and, and, and I'm making this up as I go, but I don't really have a very specific strategy on my hand. So basically, like, let's say I'm interested in a beard oil. And they might have very different SKUs, for example, for for uh, for beard products, like probably a beard shampoo, a beard uh, uh, kind of like, a, I would say, uh, a mat, and then a beard oil, and then probably even beard razor and trimmers and all of that. So you, you want to ask the consumer, what, what are they looking for through conversational messaging? And that basically goes on a question. And if they responded with a very specific, you know, keyword, then it will go to a different question, for example, to help them, to help curate that experience for them to get to what they're looking for easily. And that helps eliminate so many touch points and also like it helps guide the client and give them this give them this very unique experience that listen i'm want a beard oil i don't want to sit around and look for what product or what size that i'm looking for i just want it click it and get it because not only should the product if a product is going to solve a problem then it feels like the marketing should answer the questions of of why your products you know it's it's like 
I, I shouldn't have to dig through websites and data to figure out which one is best. The marketing strategy should have that those answers baked into it for me already. Hundred percent. And that that there you go. Now you said that yourself. It's going back to the basics. What is the problem that are we like solving? And that's what it all comes down to. As soon as we answer that question, then we kind of like work reverse engineer the process to build the strategy. Because without, uh, and, and these strategies again as well, because a lot of people, and here's what's happening with the marketing community. Uh, uh, not in a bad way though. A lot of marketers and also brands tend to stalk the brands. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Stalking the brands. So they tend to stalk the brands, but not study the brands. And here's what I mean by that. A lot of marketers tend to stalk the brands and basically just like like the example that I gave, I just got on a sales call last week and and and, and the gentleman asked me that. He said that his he wants his emails to look like manscaped emails, you know? So people fall in love with the outside. They fall in love with the visuals. They fall in love with the, the SMS tactics, but they don't really study the, the, the strategy. They don't really study the action that they took in order for them to get you know, that email to get that campaign. And what if I clicked on that campaign? Where am I going to get directed to? So the problem with, uh, you know, marketers just stalking the brands and not studying them hurts them a lot with their strategy because they just guess what might work just because the other brand, our competitor did a campaign and featured, you know, some type of influencer. Let's just feature an influencer as well. And we might get you know, some results and they end up not getting results and they're like, well, it didn't work. So maybe it's design. It's really not design. It's strategy. You did not really build a strategy, a solid strategy for that month to see what works and whatnot. I think that's extremely insightful and, and profound, honestly. There's plenty of stuff we could look around and say, this thing is excellent or this thing works, but people aren't willing to figure out why it works. They just want the same results. So if I do the same thing, I should get the same results, despite the fact that my product's different. My industry's different. My clientele's different. My my you know demographics are different, and aren't willing to kind of use that to pivot with their own product. Are there any specific brands that you look at for strategy and how they work? Like, how do you guys conduct your research? Yeah, that's that's really that's that's a really good question. We do have as I'm not on the I'm not on I'm not on the client side and on the strategy side of things. I'm more on the back end as the chief of operations, running the machine, seeing how making sure that our clients are successful and so like growth, bringing in more clients and more deals and more partnerships to the greenhouse and also like hiring and stuff. But as far as like yeah brands that we look up to are just leading brands in the industries. There are there are tons of brands there who actually get such a good examples. But again, there has to be a difference between just looking at an email and saying, well, this email is a good looking email. Let's let's create a good looking email that, you know, let's duplicate this email and get a good looking email. But people tend to forget that good looking, e- good looking emails alone don't convert. You need a strategy. You need, you need to see where you are and craft a strategy that could uh, uh, you know, help you get to be. And if it didn't, even if it didn't, you look back and say, well, let's analyze the strategy and see how can we, you know, optimize uh, some errors that we can't make again and some other stuff that we should probably focus on. No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And just to kind of take a step back a little bit now, we talked about how, you know, SMS and email marketing affects retention. So is it really as simple as optimizing those two delivery methods? And as long as they're successful, my retention should be too? 100%. Yes. Optimizing the two. But when it comes down to retention now, now we want to retain clients. Now we want to get 
uh, you know, those first time purchasers to make them purchase two, three, four, five, and six and seven. How do we do that? We need to kind of like focus on the long-term metrics, the long-term goals. What are the long-term goals? Average order, increase average order value and increase customer lifetime value. How do we do that? In order for us to increase uh, the average order value, we need to focus on the upsells and the cross-sells. How can we get consumer to see an experience and kind of like deliver it in a way that, okay, like you buy this product, there's something else that might match that product so we can get you better He's results. buying my beard oil. We should try to sell them the trimmer as well. You <laughs> there know? you go. There yeah. you go. Get it like, get your lineup nice and sharp. You know, not only, you know, the beard oil will get it shiny, but the trimmer will get it like nice and sharp. You know, we'll get the edges that simple, just like that. And then, yes, as soon as we increase the average order value, then now we need to increase the lifetime value. We need to make it repeat purchasable. Very simple. Again, just bringing it back to the basics, repeat purchasable. We, we want to increase yeah, the retention. We want to make it repeat purchasable. So we want to know how long does it take, for example, for that one consumer to reorder the product? Okay. And then hit them right at that time, Billy. An automation that will let us know that this person has ordered 30 days ago. So maybe they're running low. So send them a reminder. Hey, might be running low. Refill. It's that simple, man. It's that simple, man. It's very simple. It's very simple. And if you just apply the basics to it, it does work. So I want to talk about your personal journey and how, how you kind of got in this position, because I think you've got a lot of insight. <laughs> you've got a lot of great advice for our listeners. Thank you. I'm learning a lot, but I do know that, you know, your primary background was in civil engineering and you actually left a pretty stable job in that industry to pursue digital marketing and e-commerce. What what convinced or, or inspired you to change paths so radically? Thank you. This is the fun part. Uh, even though like I don't like to speak about myself. So I'll push a little bit back prior or pre-civil engineering. I was born and raised in Morocco. Uh, I moved to the States in 2010. Uh, I moved to the States to pursue, uh, uh, you know, right after high school, I moved to the States to pursue college. And I barely spoke English at the time. But two things that always stuck out to me back when I was in Morocco, I always wanted to become a soccer player or a civil engineer or an engineer of some degree, a soccer player or an engineer of some degree. I played soccer for a college in New Jersey in Newark called Essex County College. Unfortunately, my 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 career, my soccer career was cut short in, in college. So I had to focus on academics. At the time, I barely spoke English. So I didn't really know what major was engineering. And by mistake, I picked the wrong major. I picked graphic design. And I was looking at it and they didn't have any, any translators there or anything at the, at the orientation day, uh, the international student orientation day, I remember. And I asked for, you know, a, a French translator, an Arabic translator, and they said, we didn't really have any. So you have to gamble. You have to take a gamble. So I looked at it. I was going through the curriculum of majors. I came across graphic design and sound really cool to me. I'm like, graphic design, me, graphic designer. I think, I think there's something in there. So graphic design, thinking on the back of my head, that's engineering. That's computer engineering, some type of computer engineering. Engineering logos. <laughs> so, so yeah, seriously, two, two semesters later, I figured out I was taking more Photoshop classes and art classes than engineering and math. I was like, what did I sign up to? I was like, you know what? I'm already halfway through. Might as well just finish. I finished my degree as, as a graphic designer, worked for a local printing shop. And I was like, there has to be more to graphic design than just printing flyers and stuff and signs. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't see the bigger picture. And at the time, I didn't really have any intro to e-commerce or digital marketing to kind of like see it from a higher level. Took a step back, went back to school. My family's dream, especially my dad. My dad is a high school principal, so education was very important to him. His dream was 
for me to become an engineer. And it was my dream too, because I was really good in math and science, uh, but my English was terrible. So every time I solved like problems in the math class, they will call me solution or English because there was no words to my solution, but the numbers were right all the time. I promised myself that I have to become an engineer. So I went back to school, took a, took a year off, went back to school for, for engineering. I didn't really know any aspect of engineering. What aspect of engineering should I follow? Worked as a, as a project manager for a construction company. And that's where my love for civil engineering architecture started developing. Right after that, went to NGIT in Newark. I went to NGIT in New Jersey, graduated from NGIT as a civil engineer, worked for a couple companies. Uh, or last one uh, was the engineering department for the city of Jersey City. And that was the tip that basically made me want to change careers. And, and, and an advice to everybody that's listening is that it's never too late. You never have to think that it's too late to change careers because I picked the wrong career, but look how things work out. I picked the wrong career and then I wasn't mad. I didn't really regret it because later on, that graphic design is what's helping me right now, developing the creative vision for the greenhouse. Because if I didn't have that creative vision, our emails wouldn't look top notch. I was hired by the engineering department in Jersey City. And then I'm this hungry new guy on the block that wants to work. However, I was surrounded by 50s and 60 year olds who were just sitting on the same chair waiting for pension. And what they say, you are the result of your environment or your surrounding. So if you're surrounded by six people who wanted, who are just sitting on the same chair for the last 30 or 20 or 30 years waiting for a pension, you're going to be the seventh. And I told myself, absolutely not. I told myself, absolutely not. I told myself that I was meant for bigger things, but I've always wanted to get into the uh, e-commerce kind of like bubble. So my gap to get into the e-commerce bubble was my co-founder, Kerry McDonald. Shout out to Kerry McDonald. When Kerry McDonald and I met, Kerry used to be a director of marketing for a multi-million dollar beauty brand. It's not easy to pitch someone that you just meet, that you just met uh, uh, to start a company uh, from scratch. I did successfully, she bought She bought it, she bought the story. So we started our first dropshipping business and it used to be a light features business. And I had a friend who had the same dropshipping business. And three weeks after we developed our website and all of, you know, uh, uh, manufacturer connections and all of that, we realized uh, a friend that I had who had the same business told me that they had a lot of liability on it because they literally returned every single uh, order that they had because it was made out of glass. And by time that glass is shipped, if it's not, you know, shipped uh, carefully, it will have cracks. So we're like, well, screw this. This is not going to work. If we're going to do a dropshipping style, it's not going to work. Then we came across this book called How to Build a Brand That People Fall in Love With, with written by, I think, Emily Hayward. And the first thing that she said was that in order for you to build a brand that people fall in love with, you need to do something that you're passionate about, something that you can maximize on and do and with you know do with care so it doesn't feel like you're really working, but more like you're just doing something for fun. And then the other part will come in. Oh, we started the clothing brand, but the bigger picture was always... So the driver that made me... I'm sorry, I just have to give this tip. The driver that made me want to start in the digital marketing space is Ty Lopez. I was always... I remember five years ago or something when Ty Lopez was all over YouTube. Every time I tried to listen to a YouTube video or something, Ty Lopez will come in with here in my garage and he has the Ferrari and he has the books behind him. So, and it was so annoying to the point that I was like, okay, the bigger picture is the marketing agency is the services. So, but getting to the services again, the missing part is you need to start a business. You need to know how that business function. 
You need to know how the heart will bump with all these marketing channels. You can't just go and learn about paid ads and say, well, I can scale your business if you don't really know what goes on on the operation side of things. So we started the clothing brand. We were able to scale the clothing brand to, to, to 10K just through organic social media and email and SMS marketing. And unfortunately, COVID hit. The manufacturers that we worked with shut down. We had three manufacturers, one in North Carolina, one in Mexico City, and one in London. The manufacturer shut down. And that was the moment we had to pull the trigger and say, well, this is the moment to pivot towards the service business business model. And that's when we started the Greenhouse. What a great story. And I'll tell you what, it sounds to me, uh, Munir, is that you wanted to innovate in civil engineering in, in that sort of environment where people are just trying to get by, wait for their pension. There's not a lot of innovation that goes on there when it comes to, you know, United States infrastructure. I don't know if you anyone could look around and and, and see there has not been a lot of innovation in the, the U.S. infrastructure via civil engineering in the last, what, 50, 60 years uh, minimum. It sounds like that kind of pushed you in that direction. And I, I want to talk about those two e-commerce brands that eventually became unsuccessful. You walked us through that experience a little bit. And you seem to be extremely positive about that. I understand how it affected your founding of the greenhouse. How did it really feel the same way when it was happening that, you know, you feel now, or did you have to be separated a little bit from it over time? Or did you kind of understand what was happening and say, all right, I'm moving on. All right, this one isn't working. I'm moving on. Or did, I don't know, I guess I'm trying to look for some advice for entrepreneurs who have either dealt with the same thing or are dealing with the same thing or might deal with the same thing one day and the optimism and refusal to to fail in the long term affects people you know this reminds me always and i always give myself this pep talk whenever whenever i hit this wall and i remember the eminem lyrics is when he says success was my only option failure was not and and i always think about it from that perspective your only the only way for you to grow is that you need to take you need to take some hits sometimes in order for you to learn a lesson you need to kind of like fail and that's the only way you can grow because if you're not taking those failures uh you're not going to be able to optimize for better things so thing that helped me overcome that is my ability to not be emotionally attached to everything that i do in life except obviously family relationships those you can get emotionally attached in uh, but to a certain degree with business you really and career and anything you do you have to kind of like not emotionally attach yourself to it because the moment you attach you're emotionally attached to it your reactions and actions will become emotionally driven and when you take a step back and you're like well yeah failure because i made the wrong step i took the wrong step that's why i got that kind of result so being able to kind of like Take a step back, look at things and not being emotionally attached to the business because there are things that go on right now every single day within the greenhouse and you're like, and, and I'm like, wow, you know, so stress management is very important. Stress management uh, uh, is is crucial. If you know how to manage your stress when these bad things happen, you'll be able to excel because the most important thing that will help you overcome that failure is your next action. Is your next decision. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? That's what it all comes down to. Okay, this is felt when the manufacturer shut down. We didn't really have any idea how a marketing agency business model works. But what we knew is that there is a problem and there is a solution. The problem was that we knew that there are a lot of startups out there who are probably going through the same thing that we went through when we started Kings and Queens clothing brand. 
And we're like, well, we have the solution. How can we build a business model to deliver the solution to this existing problem? So it's all about, but if we got stuck on the mindset of like, well, this COVID thing, man, like all the manufacturers are shut down. We're going to lose all our clients. We just started and we want to like, we want to build this and grow it. And then you get really, you know, especially with everything that's been happening at the time, we didn't really have like specific dates into when these manufacturers will open back up and what is our next drop or what is our next line or anything like that. And then we're like, no, this was a blessing. How can we overcome? How can we optimize from this and 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 build something else that's going to be better or build it stronger? Another example. March, March last year, March 2021, we went through a phase where, uh, and last year was our first solid year. We launched in June 2021. But March last year, we've uh, experienced this client churn and it was because we weren't ready for it. So we scaled so fast. The majority of our growth has been through referrals and word of mouth because we do such a great job and people love what we do and the kind of like treatment and customer service that we give them. And that's why they refer other brands to the greenhouse. And in March last year, we've experienced a massive growth that literally we went peak March and then dropped in May. We weren't ready for it. Our operations weren't really ready to take on that load. So we took on a lot of like growth, but internally, team-wise, internally, we weren't ready to take all that load. We didn't really have the uh, 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 talent to deliver and fulfill the, the work. We were happy, you know, when you get all these deals, when you get all these, uh, uh, you know, orders, if you don't really have a good, solid inventory in the back, you're going to drop. So we weren't ready for it. So what we did, we took a step back. We said, we're going to put external growth for a pose for next two months, for May and June, and rebuild our project management system, move into a platform that's going to sustain all the uh, work that we're expecting, but also consider forecasting and knowing, okay, if we're going to forecast that growth, if by next month, we're going to kind of like grow by three or four, bring in, acquire three or four or five brands, we need to have on the back end our internal growth also forecasted. We need to have account managers that are going to be hired and ready to go and take on those new accounts. So it's all about stress management, first thing first, and also not to be emotionally attached to the business. I love that. I think that's great advice. And and if I'm being honest, after hearing your entire story, it sounded like you'd experienced moments of adversity during your life. And that kind of prepared you for that, you know, in terms of being an immigrant, come, not being able to speak English, not being able to have a translator, soccer career doesn't turn out pick the wrong major, which turns into the right one. You know, it felt like there were a lot of things and experiences that helped you develop an emotional attachment to failure, which I think a lot of people ha- is a word that has a lot of connotations, negative connotations to it when, you know, there's really either failure or success. And and the important part is that you, you learn from both at the end of the day, you know, so I, I think that the way that you articulate that is is really helpful. I also wanted to ask, so, so you know, we talked about you being an immigrant, and I've, I've seen in different areas that you actually advocate and support other immigrants in the e-commerce field. How has being an immigrant affected you in your work in the e-commerce industry? We'll start there. So as an immigrant, like when, when you first come in to, to, to a new territory, to a different country than your motherland, uh, the first thing that you get basically challenged with is survival 
you need to survive. And 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 that was the first thing that you go through as an immigrant. Oh, uh, you're gonna get through, you know, walk through a culture shock. You will see certain things that you've never seen before. Oh, uh, if language is a barrier, you're gonna have to like develop uh, your language and kind of like learn the new language in order for you to express yourself and connect with people. So, w- with that being said, it doesn't really. It's really not that. It's it's very challenging in a way. You know, at the end of the day, we're all humans. So, you know, you you come in, it's a different challenge. You go through a lot of challenges and those challenges only help kind of like build you up to what's coming because the challenges with e-commerce or the challenges with engineering and and, and building methods or construction methods are completely different. But as an as 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 an immigrant, there has so there has been so many challenges that you get faced with throughout your whole kind of like immigration. A uh, 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 period to that in that new territory, and that just helps build you up to what's coming. And I know immigrants are very resilient, hardworking people. And the main driver why people will leave a country to come to another country is to be more productive and kind of like build a name for themselves, but also like take advantage of the opportunities and be able to become a productive member of this new community and help develop this new community. I'm so grateful for America, man. Like, and and these are just words, but what I feel inside of me, like the, the ability that I was able to accomplish everything that I accomplished right now, it wouldn't be possible if I wasn't here in America. Because back home in Morocco and where I came from, when you step outside every single day, you don't see the opportunities that you see here every single day. You don't see people driving Lamborghinis, and that's not what I'm. That's not what I'm going for. Uh, you don't see people living a nice living. You don't see Rolls Royces every single day. You don't see boats. You don't see people. You don't just see people who can actually your neighbor can be a CEO of a multi-million dollar brand. And that's what I mean. That's what I'm going with it. I'm not really trying to like go over the uh, with the flashy lifestyle or anything like that. But that's what drove me actually to start. Because when I moved here, people that I was kind of like looking up to, my neighbor is, you know, very successful CEO. And then I looked and I said, why not me? If this person can do it with all the resources that we all have in America, I can do it. Becoming an engineer in Morocco is very impossible. That's why I moved to America. It was only, there was only like one engineering school in the whole country. And there has, and there is a very tight, selective prospecting process to get through. But I came to America, I was able to go to engineering school and make that dream come true. So to me, it's, everything is possible. Whether you're an immigrant, whether you're a local citizen within your country, as long as you have a drive, you have a vision, you have a passion to do something, you will make it happen. I love it, man. I hear a lot of gratitude in your story, Lanier. You know, you're living, you're living the dream. You're living that American dream right now. And that's that's beautiful, man. So you talked about stress management. Coincidentally, I always end the show asking about stress management in a in a different way, essentially, in, in terms of the e-commerce industry being 24-7, 365, work-life balance and mental health is extremely important. And it, it can be extremely difficult in this industry. So what are some of your hobbies and interests that you spend your free time with to, you know, mitigate that stress? The most important part to me, man, like uh, the most important part to me that keeps me grounded is my prayers. I'm, I'm a Muslim of faith, and those prayers is what keep me grounded every single day. To think that there is a bigger purpose to everything else in life more than just work and, you know, hustle and all of that. There's a bigger purpose, which is, you know, to 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 serve. Uh, and serve to serve men upstairs and serve also like others around you to make an impact and help that that's what gives me the clear mind and that's what gives me that's what helps me with the stress management because i know there is a bigger purpose to things and also things happen for a reason 
when that when 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 I picked the wrong major on college on my on 2012, I wasn't really pissed. I was mad because that's what helped me right now build our creative vision for the greenhouse. When I took engineering and spent sixty thousand dollar loans to go to engineering school, that's what helps me right now build the operation systems for the greenhouse. So everything that happens, it happens for a reason. And as soon as you believe that and you keep that faith and you keep, you know, you keep grounded, things will just work in the best way. On the other hand, working out is a must, man. You got to hit the gym. You got to hit the gym. So I love working out. I work out almost five, six days a week. Um, Eat healthy. That's very important because just, you know, eating healthy just keeps giving you that or or the energy that you need. The right food gives you the right balance. Also, like to have like this clear thinking, you know, and maintain through the days. And man, a little bit of laughter. It's very important as well. Have the people, you know, surround yourself with people who are very positive people who are just, you know, full of joy and full of good energy because energy is very important. The the energy that you surround yourself with, it's very important because you can absorb that energy and the energy sometimes can be toxic. So you want to surround yourself with a lot of positive energy. So you give and you receive, man. And most important part, it's family, man, family. So gotta, gotta keep the family, take care of the family, keep the family ties tight because at the end of the day, those are the only people that will have your back regardless of what will happen if it wasn't up to my my family was my first cheerleaders when we when we started the clothing brand when we started the light feature brand when we started the greenhouse none of none of the friends the people the acquaintances will say will support anything like that not that you expect them to but you will have your family supporting you day in and day out on your losses on your wins and those are the people that you want to celebrate with later on as well that's beautiful man and a little soccer oh man okay so here's the good thing <laughs> even though my career at college didn't 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 go well i still played i still played uh uh, uh semi pro on uh, on state on state uh state level so i played for the hoboken fc in new in in new jersey okay uh, over my last two years and as soon as i moved to miami last year i thought i was i think i should you know just put the towel and uh and say you know what Hang up the jersey. Yeah, man. Hang up the jersey. Got the got the the top scorer of that season. I said I should better leave at my best. I still love soccer, but um got new hobbies going on right now. A little bit of tennis, a little bit of golf. Just getting, you know, turned into a a real Floridian. No, that's great, man. Look, Munir, it's it's been an absolute blast. I, I love your outlook and your perspective here in your story some great advice and you know good luck to you and the greenhouse and all your prospective ventures man thanks for coming on the show thank you so much hey guys just in case if you want to get in touch with us get in touch with the greenhouse or just me myself you can find me on linkedin at munir buferdo m-o-u-n-i-r-b-o-u-f-e-r-d-o-u or Shout out to us at The Greenhouse, growwithgreenhouse.com. You can find us on Instagram as well at growwithgreenhouse. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining. And I hope you have a great and wonderful blessed day. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me. Until next time, buddy. I'd like to thank my guest, Munir Bufordo, for joining me on the show and come back on Tuesday when I sit down with Adam Pierce, the CEO of a customer experience agency called Blend. Adam and I will talk about customer value optimization, how to elevate the customer experience for your store, design trends, and much more. For more information about Munir, you can connect with him on LinkedIn. And for more information about The Greenhouse, you can check out their website, growwithgreenhouse.com, or their Instagram, at growwithgreenhouse. That's our show. Thanks for joining us and we hope you come back to find new episodes being published every Tuesday and Thursday. Until then.